This is kind of something we're trying out on Sunday nights from time to time, and I'm pretty well pleased with the turnout of the men and the women, so that's a good thing. Amen? Yeah, I believe it's a big felt need in the church, and uh, so you'll notice us doing some different things kind of throughout the year, um, some impartation services. Our next service will be coming up in March where Brenda will do that. And then I talked to a couple of people recently. We may be doing an impartation conference in the summer. Uh, just kind of depends on a few things and uh, thinking about having Mark Brzee out and then a little struggling preacher by the name of Ricky Edwards. And uh, so it'd be a good thing. So um, there's just a lot of things that uh, I believe that are in our heart that the Lord's going to help us to get out. Amen. So tonight I just want to talk to you for a little while on victory over weakness, and basically you could also say it this way, victory over temptation. So let's uh, pray and let's begin. Father, thank you for these men of God that have come tonight. Lord, I thank you for giving me utterance, and I pray that the eyes of our hearts would be flooded with light. <clears throat> Lord, that our spirits would be encouraged to rise up, amen, and be doers of what we're about to hear. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name, amen. So we don't have scriptures up tonight, so if you did bring your Bible, um, let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13. That's going to be our text tonight. We'll be looking at it from other translations as well. 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter in the 13th verse, says, There has no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above your ability or above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you might be able to bear it. Again, that's 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter and the 13th verse. So one thing we know for sure, every one of us, have been subject at one time or another in our life to temptation. Every believer is tempted. Every believer is tempted. When uh, the word temptation is used, oftentimes people's minds go to just two or three areas. You know, they think about sexual temptations or temptations mostly in that arena. And there are temptations in those arenas. There's temptations in the area of pornography and so on. But temptation is a very broad thing. How many of you know you can be tempted to be depressed? Okay, you'll get the opportunity perhaps to be depressed. Or can be tempted to fear, can be tempted to doubt. And normally the first thing that comes out of a person's mouth when they yield to that temptation, is unbelief. Words contrary to the Word of God. Okay? So, um, also, a person could be tempted to quit. Or how about this one? We could be tempted to judge. Or to get angry. If somebody says, I have not just been tempted to get angry, I have been angry. Well, and say, yeah. Today, so temptation is the enemy trying to lead you the wrong way, Time to, trying to lead you down the wrong path. In other words, 
trying to get us to yield to things that are going to hurt us and hurt the people around us. Think about that. When a person yields to temptation, there's a twofold hurt oftentimes themselves and others around them. But I like what our text says. Our text says, there's no temptation taken you, but just such as common to man. And so we've established this fact, that it's common to man. All of us have been tempted. But I don't think this is preached often enough. It has been in our church. But the real, realization that Jesus himself was tempted. Jesus, the master himself, was tempted. Now, go in your Bible to Matthew chapter uh, 4. And we're having, we're having word study tonight, a Bible study. And notice with me in verse 1, it says, Then Jesus was led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted, man, 40 days and 40 nights, it's hard for me to fast 40, 40 hours. He was afterward hungry. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. And so the tempter was there tempting him. So Jesus responded to the temptation by saying, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And so you see right on through the, verse 10 that he was tempted once, he was tempted twice, he was tempted three times, right? But for every temptation, the Lord gave him a scripture. And so it's very important then that as men of God, we as men of God know scripture so that we can use that against the tempter when he comes to tempt us. Amen? So Jesus is our, is our model of victory over temptation. Jesus didn't pull out his camel's license and said, Hey, don't you know who I am? He said, It is written. So it's extremely important that we know what is written, become familiar with the written word, get it in our heart, and be speaking it out of our mouths on a regular basis. Amen. If you will deposit God's word in your heart when everything is going right, when everything seems like you don't need it, it'll be there when you do need it. Because you see, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth is going to speak. I declare to you that the more you speak God's word, the stronger you get. And the more creative power you will experience in your life. Okay? So even though Jesus was tempted, here's the truth of the matter, he did not yield to the temptation. He did not act on the pull of the enemy. Has anyone ever experienced the pull of the enemy before? Well, that's just the enemy doing what he does. He tries to seduce us or pull us away off of the word, off of the path that God's got us on. There is a pull in the world, in, the, in this world. But thank God we're not of this world. And we can live as more than conquerors in this world if we'll do the things that I'm going to talk about tonight. Amen? And so here's the next point I want to make. It is not a sin to be tempted. Being tempted is not sin, nor is it wrong. Is that right? 
So here's what the enemy will do. The enemy will try to get you into, to yield to temptation, try to get you to yield to condemnation just because you were tempted in an area. Now, one thing I've discovered this, that condemnation is no good. One person said this, that condemnation is the confidence killer. You know, you can be going along real well in your walk of faith and you're walking by faith and not by sight and you're calling those things that be not as though they were. You're doing real well. And then all of a sudden, perhaps you yielded to some temptation and then there's the condemnation. Oh, I thought you were a Christian. Why don't you just back off a little bit here? I thought you were, I thought you were born again. I thought you were spirit filled. And so what he does then is he brings thoughts and feelings. Anybody ever had a thought or a feeling that wasn't right? But you knew where it came from? And then he tries to get you to buy the lie <laughs> and bring condemnation for the thoughts and the feelings that he brought. Amen? You've got to differentiate between his thoughts and your thoughts. Amen? Anything that's fear-filled, anything that's doubt-filled, anything that tries to allure you into temptation is a thought straight from the pit of hell. Amen? And so, say it with me, it's not a sin to be tempted. Now, the next scripture we want to look at, if you have your Bibles, look at Hebrews, the fourth chapter. Hebrews chapter 4, and notice with me in verse 15. Hebrews, the fourth chapter, and verse 15. Everybody there? If you have it, say, I have it. Verse 15 says, For we have not an high priest which cannot be tempted with the feeling of our infirmities. Now notice the rest of this verse. But was in some points? Ah, not some, not a few. But was in all points tempted like we are. And what does the rest of the verse say? Yet without sin. So any area that we've been tempted in, Jesus was tempted in those areas and beyond. Let's read this again. Please read it with me, verse 15. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Now what this is saying, and this flies crosswise with religion, but what this was saying is Jesus was tempted in every conceivable way. Yet, he didn't sin. The question I have for you tonight is this. Can we be tempted and not sin? If Jesus was tempted and didn't sin, and Jesus lives in you, 
and you're living for him, he will teach you in the midst of the temptation not to sin. And to me, that is good news. Hallelujah. Let's just raise our hands and thank him for that. Glory to God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank God for that. Now, God will help you and me master temptation. It does not have to master us. We can master it. Amen? Amen. Jesus understands the temptation. Jesus understands perhaps a struggle that a person may be going through. Why is that? Because he's been there. I said he's been there. And the thing that I love about him, he is not here to condemn us. He's ready to help us. Has anybody ever been helped before by the master overcome a temptation? Perhaps that you yielded to for years and years and years. But there came a day in your life that his help came to you real strong and you yielded to it. And now that temptation is a thing of the past. Amen? Now that doesn't mean that Satan won't come. He, he walks about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. But as you are mindful of the truths that we're talking about tonight, you can live above it. Amen? Amen. Say it with me. Jesus overcame, Jesus overcame. So, I can overcome. so I can overcome. Let's add this tonight. I am an overcomer. I am an overcomer. And, I overcome and I overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of my testimony. My faith is becoming divinely energized as I daily acknowledge, confess, and declare the good thing which is in me, which is in Christ Jesus. I am in Christ, and Christ is in me. And he's the hope of glory. And so I am expecting his glory and his presence and his enablement to cause me to prevail over temptation. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. And so what we're to do then is we are to resist it and stand against it. Resist it. And stand against it. Okay, let's go over to Ephesians chapter 6. And I just want to look at verses 10 through 13. I'll give you uh, time to get over there. Ephesians, the 6th chapter, the 10th verse. Is it, is it, we have 96 chairs in here, Joe? I praise the Lord. I think we got room for more. That's good. Amen. And Ephesians 6 verse 10 says, Finally, my brethren, are you a brother? You're my brother. Amen. Might be from another mother, but we're brothers in Christ. Finally, be strong. Be strong. Remember, he said in Genesis 1, let there be light. So when he says, be strong, that means there's an an enablement for you and I to be strong. We're commanded to be strong. 
But not strong in ourselves. Strong in the Lord. And in the power of His might. And then he says, notice in verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able, again, here's that word able, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Part of the wiles of the devil are temptations. Verse 12 says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And read verse 13, if you would, please. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand, stand. Amen. Again, here's that word, able. That's the ability to stand against the wiles and the temptations of the evil one. Amen? Just keep on standing. Keep on standing. You may be tempted with the same things many times during the same day. You may be tempted up to five times or 20 times during the day to yield to a certain temptation. Well, what you need to do is just resist five times. If he comes against you 20 times... You resist him 20 times. Comes against you 50 times, what do you do? You don't cave in. You resist that rat 50 times if necessary. Amen? Now, uh, what I want to share with you now is over in James 4, 7. Here's a, a really good, strong key then to overcoming temptation and to mastering temptation. Amen? James, the fourth chapter and the seventh verse. And I'm going to look it up myself here. The book of James. Lots of good things in the book of James. And there's a ton of good things in the book of Ephesians. If you haven't been with us on our study on praying in the new year, we're looking at the book of Ephesians on Wednesday. My goodness. <laughs> there may be no end to that series. Now notice James 4, verse 7. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Whose responsibility then is it for you to submit yourself to God? It's your responsibility. And, and the word submit means to, to come under. In other words, give, come under. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and, and, and just come under His Lordship. It would do you good to do this on a regular basis. Just kneel before the Lord and tell Him, You are Lord. <clears throat> when you tell Him that He is Lord, that means you're not. So you humble yourself under His mighty hand and you give Him His place over you. And when you give Him His place over you by humbling yourself under Him, then the devil has got to take his place under your feet. Amen? Amen? <clears throat> no sense of trying to resist the devil unless you're submitted. Amen? That's lordship. Say it would be, Jesus, you are my Lord. And I submit to you. I submit to your word. 
I submit to your plan. Not my will, Lord, but your will be done. I give my life to you. I come under your Lordship. I give you your rightful place over me. And now, devil, when I resist you, you got to flee from me because you are under my feet. Isn't that good news? So let's read this verse together with that thought in mind. Verse 7. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Brother Hagin says that that word flee means run from you as in terror. This just comes up in my spirit. He's afraid of submitted Christians because he knows that he has no place in them. Why? Because submitted Christians have given the Father, hallelujah, his place in their lives. And when he's got his place in your life, you're not giving the enemy any place. Amen? Glory to God. So resist him. He'll flee from you. He will run from you as in terror. But what if you don't resist him? What if you don't resist him? What if instead you assist him? Well, I think the answer is pretty clear. If we don't resist him, he will stay. Okay? We don't want that, right? Now let's go back to our text. Let's go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. Let's look at this a little bit more tonight. 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter, and the 13th verse. Boy, somebody is in there is preaching. That girl's got some pipes, I'll tell you that right now. There is no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able but will with the temptation make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it or to rise up and resist it. Now here's a lie of the enemy. The enemy also likes to use this lie. No one knows what I'm going through. My case is a special case. And then it's followed by this. Nobody has been through what I've been through. Don't buy the lie. It's common stuff. It's regular stuff. Look at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 through 4. I think there's some shouters over there. Praise the Lord. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 through 4. Looking unto Jesus, who's what? who is the author and the finish of our faith who for the joy that was set before him what did he do for us aren't you glad he endured the cross he despised the shame and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God and then he says in verse 3 for consider him. In other words, consider Jesus. For consider him in that he endured 
such great contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. Of course, this is saying when you're going through it, keep your eyes on him. Consider Jesus. And then in verse 4, we see something else. He says, you've not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. Now, what does that mean? You haven't been that far. You didn't go as far as Jesus did. You remember in the Garden of Gethsemane? He was so pressed and he was so tempted that blood came out of his pores. What's he doing in the Garden of Gethsemane? Unbended knee. He said, oh, my God, let this cup pass from me. What cup was he talking about? He was talking about the cup of judgment of all mankind. He was talking about the sin of the whole world being placed upon him. And he was so pressured that his very pores bled. Then he went on to say, yet not my will, but your will be done. He's resisting temptation to not go through with it. He knew that he was going to be made sin for all mankind. But I thank God that he went all the way and did the whole will of God 100% for you and for me. What if he would have yielded to that temptation not to go to the cross? You and I wouldn't be here tonight. But because he did, you and I now are created in his image and his likeness, made the very righteousness of God in him, new creations in Christ Jesus. Somebody say amen. So again, our text, there's no temptation taking you, but such as is common to man. Say it with me, my God is faithful. Who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you might be able to bear it. Amen? Now here's another twisted thought that really really comes from religion, and maybe you even heard it in your own home, or maybe you heard it in another church, and we're not here to put moms and dads down, or grandpas and grandmas down, or churches down, but it's a lie straight from the pit of hell. And that phrase is this, well... You got to watch out when they say, well, 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 brother Jimmy, well, brother Raul, brother James, brother Andre, God won't put more on you than you can stand. So he says, well, I've heard that before. What's wrong with that? Well, let's look at scripture. You got to find where the scripture is. When statements are made like that, ask yourself, where's the scripture? Huh? Where's the word? Amen? Show me the word. Amen? Now notice in James, we'll look over there at chapter uh, 1 and verse 13. James, the first chapter, and notice in verse 13. It's a nice little room, isn't it? I like it. I like this room. A lot of prayer goes on in this room. 
Lots of good things happen in this room. Youth are preached to in this room. Lives are changed in this room. Hallelujah. God is honored in this place. You know what happens when we honor Him? He'll honor us. You know what happens when you honor Him in your body? He will honor your body. When you honor Him in your commitment, He will honor that commitment. He's a God of honor. And I've learned this last week how closely faith and honor go together. In James 1.13, notice this with me. He says, let no man say, don't even say it, when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil. Not only that, neither he tempteth any man with evil. Somebody says, well, God tempted Abram. Yeah, but it wasn't with evil. God tempted Abram with the test of obedience. Your obedience will be tested. Your faith will be tested. Amen? But this is a whole other type of temptation. This is the temptation that comes from beneath. This is the temptation that comes from evil. God is good, and good and evil don't mix. I think a great verse of Scripture just to know the difference between God and the devil is John 10.10. He says, The thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But why would you come, Jesus? I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Amen? What's good is God. What's bad ain't God. So he said here in verse 13 again, Look, no man say when he is tempted, I'm tempted of God For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. So to me, from reading that this, it doesn't sound like he's the author of temptation. It doesn't sound to me like he's bringing it. As a matter of fact, he's given us the ability to resist it. You can overcome temptation. God is faithful. And he always provides a way out. Young's literal translation. Now, if you have a a computer and you went on to Bible Gateway or you went on to studylight.org and you ran your references, there's all sorts of translations in there. And right at the end of some of those translations, it's the YLT. It's Young's literal translation. Brother Hagen talked about that a lot. It's a great, great translation. But Young's literal translation at the end of it says, He makes for us an outlet. (laughs) He makes for us an outlet. The CEV says this, but God can be trusted not to let you to be tempted too much. And he will show you how to escape from your temptations. Hallelujah. I want to encourage you tonight. You don't have to yield to what you've yielded to in the past. And you don't have to rake yourself over the coals and allow the spirit of condemnation get a hold of you. You just come under the blood of Jesus and ask God to forgive you and you receive your cleansing and you purpose in your heart that you truly repent. Forgiveness is awesome. It's great. It's wonderful. But God will give you the gift of repentance. Which means this, 
that when you truly repent, you're making whatever changes you need to make to see to it that you don't yield to that again. Amen? And faith's confession is also important in that area. Jesus said this, I always do those things that please my Father. Amen? Amen. The next time you get ready to yield to that temptation, just say, does this please God? Say this with me. I always, every day of my life, I always do those things that please my Father. I just felt an unction there when I said, don't rake yourself over the coals. Don't allow the spirit of condemnation hold you down. Amen? Because there's so much that God's got for you. And you can't really use your faith and exercise your faith when there's condemnation in your life. It hinders your faith. Amen? Now, look at Jude 20. This is a great... Jude verse 24. There's only one chapter in the Bible uh, uh, in Jude. So it has it by verses. But Jude verse 24. This is good stuff right here. My God is able. Verse 24. It says, Now unto Him that is able to keep me from falling... Well, Pastor Mark, I've fallen a thousand times in that area. His ability is able to keep you from falling again. Hallelujah. And not only that, to present you faultless before the presence of His glory with condemnation? No, with exceeding joy. When you know that He's able to keep you from falling and you're cooperating with Him, He presents you faultless before the throne of grace and it brings a joy into your life. Amen? Glory to God. So, here's one way that we overcome it. Here's one way that we keep ourselves from falling. we got to stop feeding it. Stop feeding the temptation. Starve it. You know, years ago, we had some cats show up to our house, and I made the mistake of feeding it. The next thing I know, I had about 15 out there in the backyard. And smart me, I kept feeding them. And they kept hanging out. Okay? Well, if you want the cat to leave or not to stay, don't feed it in the first place. Starve it. Starve it. Whatever it is that triggers you into that temptation. Cut it off. It might be a TV. It might be a computer. It might be a person that is foul-mouthed that you grew up with. You've got to cut things off for your own sake. Stop assisting temptation and start resisting it. Every Wrong desire gets weaker as you starve it. Say that with me. Every wrong desire gets weaker and weaker as I starve it. Remember this. No matter what comes against you from the outside, 
remember you've got one on the inside of you that is greater than what comes against you on the outside. Come on, say it with me. Greater is he. Let's say it just a little stronger. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. You got the greater one. You know, maybe maybe you're a person that is yielded to strife and, you know, you just, you, there's certain people you just don't get along with. And man, you just need to remember that the love of God is shed abroad in your heart. And greater is the love of God on the inside of you than the evil that's on the inside of them. Don't come down to their level. Live up here on God's level. It's a higher level. It's the level of love. Amen? John chapter 7, I'm just going to read this to you, says this. All of you must keep awake, give strict attention, be cautious and active, and watch and pray that you may not come into temptation. For how many of you know the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak? So what is Jesus saying? He says, pray that you enter not into temptation. In other words, the temptation is going to come, but when you're prayed up, you won't enter into it. Did you get that? So is it important for us to be prayed up? And not just in church. Not just a couple times a week when we come together. But to have a prayer life daily. A communion daily with Him. The more you commune with Him, the less you'll be bothered by the enemy's intentions, suggestions, and distractions. Why? Because there's just something about being in the presence of God that envelops you with goodness and with glory. It's like a shield, hallelujah, around you. Now here's what Jude said. In Jude 20, King James says this, But you, beloved, building up yourselves, that's your spirit, on your most holy faith, doing what? Praying in the Holy Ghost. The Amplified says this, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, rising up like an edifice, like a building, stronger and stronger and stronger as you pray in the Holy Ghost. So Jesus is saying, pray, stay prayed up, that you enter not into temptation. First Peter says this, be well balanced, temperate, temperate, sober of mind, be vigilant and cautious at all times. For that enemy of yours, the devil, roams about like a roaring lion in fierce hunger, seeking someone to seize upon and devour. But you withstand him. Be firm in your faith against his onset, rooted, established, strong, unmovable, and determined. So let me give you a few practical things in closing. And I know you've probably got things that you can add to this, but let me give you a few practical things that you can do, amen, to stand against the tempter when he comes. Number one, avoid the places of temptation. Well, pastor, there's, there's temptations all around me. But there may be some places and people and things that you just flat need to avoid and go the other way. I can remember when I got off of the addiction that I was involved in, I had to cut off places. I had to cut off people. 
I could not go to those bars anymore. I could not go over to that house anymore because I knew from experience what happened in those bars and I knew from experience what happened in those homes. So what did I have to do? I had to make a quality decision. Everyone say a quality decision. That I was just not going to go there. I was going to cut it off. What did Jesus say? If your right hand offends you, do what? If your, if your eyeball offends you, do what? Pluck it out. So this is then giving no place to the enemy. Here's another one. Begin by analyzing or thinking about your life. Ask yourself questions like this. When and where have I been tempted the most? When and where have I been tempted the most? Am I tempted when I'm alone? Or am I tempted when I'm with someone else? Everyone knows what their triggers are, right? Be mindful of that. It wouldn't hurt you to journal what those triggers are and put it down before you and just look at that from time to time and say, yeah, that's a trigger. And in the name of Jesus, I've repented of that already and I am going God's way 100%. Amen? So again, begin by analyzing your life. Ask yourself, when and where am I tempted the most? Am I tempted when I'm alone? Or am I tempted when I'm with someone else? How many of you know that gossip is a temptation? How about being judgmental? You know, if there's folks that you get around and all they want to do is gossip, and all they want to do is judge this person and judge that person, that's a trigger. And if you're not disciplined enough, and if you're not strong enough, you'll enter into that. Are you saying cut off those relationships? No, I'm not telling you what to do. You've got to be led by the Spirit of God. Amen? But one thing for sure, you've got to be strong enough in your spirit to have that shield around you so that you don't enter in. Amen? Here's another one. Ask yourself this. Are there certain circumstances <laughs> that set me off and onto the path of temptation? Are there certain things that, that have happened? Maybe the pressure has got on on the job or, you know, something happened in your physical body or something happened with, with relative, whatever the case may be. Are there certain circumstances that set you off and then lead you onto the path of temptation? See, what a lot of people do when the pressure's on because they don't know how to deal with it biblically, they deal with it through pills. Why? Because they get a temporary release. They deal with it through alcohol. They deal with it through drugs. They deal with it through pornography. I am told that there are certain chemicals that are released in a person's body by watching pornography that absolutely are destroying people's lives. I mean by the millions. And not only, not only in the world, but in the church. Now, there's no condemnation, but you see, that release can be there. What's the trigger? What's the trigger? I knew somebody that was close to me that had yielded to that for quite a long time. They got so upset with it, they literally threw the computer out the window. <laughs> now, that's a little drastic, but how many of you know you got to do what you got to do? 
And then ask yourself, what is my thought process before I sin? Do I make excuses for or do I justify my sin? Do I make... You see, when you don't confess and forsake your sin, you not have any mercy. But those who confess it and truly repent and forsake their sin, they're going to have mercy. So do I make excuses for and justify this sin? And then, and we've talked about this already, but are my electronics a source of temptation? And so what some people do is they go to drastic measures and they get these guards on their computer that there's no way you can get into those sites. There's no way that you can yield to that. Amen? How many of you know, you and I, we need more we need a whole lot more than sh- than just sheer willpower. <laughs> we need the power of the Holy Ghost. And the good news is this. We've got the power of the Holy Ghost. He lives on the inside of us. In Acts 1.8, he said, But you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit is come upon you. Rise up. Take your authority and use your authority. One day, one way to hold the enemy in check is just tell him he's under your feet. Say things like this. Jesus gave me authority to use his name. Therefore, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I bind up every principality. I bind up every power. Any rulers of the darkness of this world, any wicked spirits in high places that would come against me, and I render them harmless and ineffective against myself, against my mind, against my family, against any area of my life, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Build yourself up in prayer and build yourself up on God's Word. God's Word. Finding out who I was in Christ and what I have in Christ was the major biggest key for my complete freedom from the addiction that I had in those early years of my life. Finding out who I was and finding out how much God loved me. And not only discovering that, but also discovering because of who I am in Christ, I'm better than that. I don't need that anymore. Yeah, that's right, Brother George. Brother George just said from Corinthians, the love of Christ constrains us. That word constrain means to hold us back. Amen. To make the right choice. Brother George, I mean, he did the uh, Celebrate Recovery at a church in the East Bay Fellowship for years. So he could stand up here and tell us a thing or two. Amen? Glory to God. (laughs) Thank Thank you. All right. So then, here's another one. Instead of dwelling on tempting thoughts, dwell on God's powerful word. The word of God is one of the mightiest weapons in our arsenal. And then here's another one that's extremely important. Reach out for help. Reach out for help and reach out for encouragement. Reach out for help. Admit that you need help 
and reach out for help with a trusted friend, a trusted support group, trusted people that you would have anonymity with. You see, in Galatians chapter 6, 1, uh, better not try to quote it because I can't. You probably could, but in Galatians 6, 1, it says this, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, you which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Call a trusted friend for prayer. It's okay. It's okay to admit that perhaps you're weak and you're struggling right now. It's okay to reach out for support. Pride closes in. Humility reaches out. And you'll find some great and glorious things happen when you reach out. That's the way to get free. And then focus on your strengths and not your weaknesses. See yourself as an overcomer, not as a failure. There's a lot more to you and me than we realize. How many of you know that God's strength is made perfect in our weakness? Hallelujah. Lean heavily and rely on the grace of God. His grace is sufficient for you and it is sufficient for me. Let us fix our minds on Jesus, the author and finish of our faith. I just want to tell you right now that God loves you and there's power in the name of Jesus. There's power in the word of God and there's victory for any weakness that may come our way. Let's stand up, everybody. We've preached long enough. Oh, let's lift up our hands and thank him tonight. Glory to God. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. And all that is within me, bless His holy name. Thank you, Lord. We've got about seven minutes left. I think we should, we should pray for one another. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I think we should just pray for one another. Amen? Pray that one another, would, every one of us, would be strengthened with mighty power by the Holy Spirit and the inner man. You don't need to come up and, and, and say, you know, just pray for me individually. Put your hand over your heart and say, Lord, I open up my heart to a touch from heaven tonight. Asking, sir, for grace and for strength. Relying heavily upon the power of the Holy Spirit to keep us from falling and to enable us to rise up daily. Resisting temptation. Say this to me, Lord, forgive me for any sin, for any time I've, te- I've yielded to temptation. I thank you for the blood of Jesus that cleanses me from all unrighteousness. Thank you for the gift of repentance. Hallelujah. By the grace of God, I always do those things that please my heavenly Father. In Jesus' name. Now, what I think would be good, find yourself two or three guys, four guys, pray. If there's a request that you want to make, uh, something you want to pray for one another about, you know, the Bible says pray for one another that you may be healed. Father, thank you so much for the goodness of God and for the grace of God. 
Glory to God. We lift each other up tonight. I thank you for strong men in this room. I thank you, Lord, that we're strong in the Lord and the power of your might.